Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam, and I'm your host, Tariq El Amin. For those of you who are new to Radio Islam, we welcome you. We're a live call in talk show broadcasting from Chicago on WCEV 1450 AM, and you can hear our live stream at www.wcev1450.com. And remember, you can now find us on the TuneIn app at WCEV. If you haven't already done so, folks, make sure that you're keeping up with us on social media by following and liking us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And if you have a comment or a question you would like to pose throughout the course of tonight's show, we would love to hear from you at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. So good evening again, Radio Islam family. Uh, There is a lot going on. Well, there's always a lot going on today. So every day, right? So we don't really get a day off. But tonight we're going to start off uh, by reflecting on some of the suggestions on on decreasing um, mass shootings in schools. So we've got a special guest in studio with us tonight, uh, who's going to add to this uh, to the discussion? Uh, as always, you know, uh, with me uh, is the impressive one, assistant producer Ibrahim Beg, and we have joining us tonight uh, Tausif Akbar. Tausif is Care Chicago's research director. He's slated to receive his MA in Islamic Studies from American Islamic College in the spring. Uh, I'm sorry, we've we've already gone past that. Uh, <laughs> I got some bad info. <laughs> that already happened. That already happened. <laughs> but I will tell you, uh, as a researcher, his work uh, has primarily focused on Islamophobia and demographic trends within the Muslim American community. As a researcher, he has worked with leading Muslim American organizations and was also a past consultant to Georgetown University's Bridge Initiative for the study of Islamophobia. He's written and been published on the topic. <clears throat> excuse me, on the topic of Islamophobia, the war on terror and the genocide against the Rohingya Muslims in various news media outlets. Thank you for being here. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. Alhamdulillah. I got the whole, the whole greeting, the whole return, so much better than the one I As gave. you deserve. <laughs> so, uh, all right, so let, let's just jump right in. Uh, and I'm going to set this up um, with this. So uh, in today's uh, Chicago Sun-Times, Phil Kadner, uh, he did a really good job of chronicling society's problems uh, with regard to how we, how we use our teachers as kind of the last line and also the, uh, uh, I guess, the last line of defense. Uh, and he centered his piece around the Illinois Abused and Neglected Child Reporting Act of 1975. And that basically, that leg- legislation turned our teachers into mandated reporters. Right. Um, and 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 by that, that basically means as a mandated reporter, if you're not familiar with uh, that term, it basically means that if you see something, if you know of some uh, if you know of a situation that would imperil uh, the, the, the health or well-being of a minor and uh, then you are obligated to share that information with the authorities mm-hmm. and. But he, he situates it at, with, within the um, as, as a response, right? As a response to, he said, uh, there were rising rates of sexually transmitted diseases within uh, within the young, you know, among young people, and people said, well, we got we have to do something about this, right? So um, they brought in uh, sex education, you know, as a part of health uh, in in public schools. Uh, then there was uh, now we're also dealing with the opioid epidemic, right? Mm-hmm. So they're looking for ways to connect, uh, to make put teachers within this whole network of providing treatment options uh, for for youth that they may 
see or recognize as possibly being abusers. Um, you know, so is they're, they're putting teachers in a position where they're constantly adding on right. to, to what their responsibilities are. So what, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I mean, I think I agree with that general premise uh, in the article that teachers are now being burdened with another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we live in a system, and a, I think we have to step back and see the society and the system we live in. Maybe there's fundamental flaws when, you know, these responsibilities and duties that should really not, you know, rest on the shoulders of teachers and primarily are the responsibility of parents are now being foisted upon teachers and impeding actually their main function and purpose, which is to teach, educate children to become, you know, successful uh, adults and, and, and to grow. Um, but it's just necessary at this point. Um, yeah. The health crisis that you were just reflecting upon and, 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 and noting, you know, it became a part of the culture wars as well from our, what I recall. And it seems like everything just becomes part of the culture wars. We can't have a calm and rational discussion about anything without it becoming emotional, without it having religious connotations, without it having some stake in it. And, and, and that really is a failing of the system, I think. And we have to have that interrogative aspect, which I think is missing a lot of times yeah. in the discourse. Um, but it is really unfortunate that now we're in a place where Florida, for instance, has just ratified, uh, I believe, ratified today. Um, we could double check, but I, I, I just saw it in my feed where it ratified teachers to be able to carry guns. Mm. And this is unimaginable as someone who grew up in Chicago public schools, right. you know, for me to imagine my math teacher or my science teacher, yeah. you know, because quite, heat. yeah, packing heat, you know, being strapped. And it's like, you know, I remember them, you know, they used to have off days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they might get their buttons pushed. And instead of, like, throwing a book, like, you know, at the at the chalkboard, they just might pull it out. Right. You know, and you're going to have more tragedies. And it just seems like this is just going to repeat that cycle. And it's it's not a good look for Florida. You know, as, as I was mentioning, that legislation, which was um, which was from Illinois, but I'm pretty sure that nationwide most teachers or all teachers are mandated reporters uh, wherever you are but when you couple that added responsibility or and I don't I don't think it's any a responsibility that any teacher anybody that's um, that is charged with the the development and the safety of, of young people would probably would overlook anyway right I think mm-hmm. it's something that you would naturally you Absolutely. would naturally do right yeah. But as we continue to, to put more on them and contrast that with the, the devaluation of, of education, yes. uh, just, it, just in general, the perception of the, this whole idea of teachers, of teaching being, being an easy uh, mm-hmm. profession, an easy oh craft, God. right? <laughs> but you, but yeah. you're still, you're putting them, you're still yeah. putting more and more on them. I, I just, I feel like it's a cop-out. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about teachers being devalued uh, that rings so true um, it seems like there's such a such an easy target uh, to be beat upon by politicians and you know if there's failing grades here or lower standards um, you know if teachers want higher pay you know they're uh, protesting unionizing it, it always turns into um, you know them as the enemy mm-hmm. um, you know and you know previously I, I mean I know how difficult it is for teachers you know, going through school, um, you know, you're taking those loans to become a teacher, you know, number one. Number two, it's not that easy to get into uh, teaching. Mm-hmm. You have to substitute for a while sometimes. Uh, you know, uh, there's been shutting down of public schools. Um, all this is stacked up upon as more pressure. Right. Um, as mandated reporters, as you said, you know, uh, we expect, like, that they would do the right thing, that, you know, they're in a position to do so. And it seems like a common sense uh, law in that case, but this seems far from common sense. You know, the the whole idea of having teachers armed, now what this does is it changes the whole, the whole the a- atmosphere, the educational mm-hmm. atmosphere uh, for students. And I think that 
probably is going to have a greater impact mm -hmm. for, I'll say it, I think it's going to have a greater impact on uh, on inner city schools mm -hmm. where you have uh, schools that are predominantly um, uh, populated by uh, people of color. And what that does, and it's not to say that the effect wouldn't be noticed, right. uh, you know, in, in more affluent areas, but it takes on a much different a much different uh, feeling when you're coming from a community that is already over-policed, mm -hmm. uh, where you feel like you are uh, a suspect at all times, and school being representing somewhat of a safe zone. And we, re re we, right. we realize that we have some difficulties in school, but generally you feel like if you made it to school, it's okay. Yeah. Now it changes it. It changes that classroom at atmosphere. It's a carceral. It's a... Uh, it's a jail-like type of uh, yeah. feeling, and that's going to impede education. Right. I mean, it's, a lot of times I felt like I was already in jail in, in classroom. <laughs> you know, you look at the Chicago public schools and the way that uh, they look, and they look like they used to be jail cells. And I think Sen High School used to be really? formerly a prison. Yeah. Um, and they look like industrial places where sheet metal is produced or something <laughs> of that nature. And so for this added, uh, you know, thing, I, I, I don't expect like the Chicago Public Teachers Union to actually allow for this to happen. I think also teachers are going to organize themselves, mm -hmm. you know, wherever it may be. You know, obviously in Illinois, you know, it, it may not be an issue, but wherever it is, I do I do feel confident that teachers won't want this in their classroom. Yeah. Um, and they want to keep the focus on education. Um, you, but you never know. You know, the way things are going, the, the crazy stuff that you see in the news every day, I wouldn't be surprised if Texas somewhere, like, you know, we see a headline, mm -hmm. teacher in classroom with with gun and shoots himself or shoots a child. But to your point about uh, the carceral aspect of that, that's a real worry. Mm -hmm. um, with our own situation already, you know, subpar resources for decades yeah. have been allocated to the schools. Mm -hmm. um, there's such a onslaught. Now you have Davos who's got her own agenda and plan. And it seems like all this stuff is a distraction. Because what's stopping politicians from actually focusing on the real issue? The issue at hand is not, should we arm teachers? The issue at hand is, why are there so many guns readily available? What can we actually do about it? Can right. we do something about it? Mm -hmm. uh, why are, you know, as these wonderful students in Florida who, who came up to the politician's face and called Rubio out and called Trump out and, 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 and the parents who are grieving – you know, focus on the issue is what yeah. we're trying to tell them. You know, your hands are so deep in the pockets of the NRA that you forgot that we know. And <laughs> we have to constantly remind them. We have to be vigilant. You know, this is, uh, you know, going to school, uh, we were taught the pi in the Paideia program, okay. which is supposed to make you an all-around citizen. And that's really been forgotten, Yeah, I feel. And, and that's something that I, I hope can be also reemerge. just a, a, as a side note. It's really difficult when you when you start talking about the um, the contributing factors uh, to a you know culturally as far as we have a we have a gun culture a culture that celebrates yeah. uh, not just gun ownership but gun use mm -hmm. um, and you know we refer to guns guns are referred to as sexy right right I mean which which we probably could spend another hour just talking about how that word in particular has yeah. been thrown on so many different things that I, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand the connection. It's like an advertising gimmick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, but yes, we, we have to talk about the root of it. And the root is uh, access, number one. And it's a controlled, it's a controlled access. Yeah. Uh, and it's a black market that allows that is allowed to to exist the loopholes that Absolutely. are allowed to exist and it becomes a conversation and and the funny thing is uh, to your point about the NRA's involvement in their uh, history of lobbying uh, and impeding any type of real legislation uh, that's going to 
that's going to help to solve this problem, mm-hmm. um, we we forget we forget that. Actually, I forgot what I was talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but the um, what was I saying the uh, the NRA. Oh yes, so the NRA as they continue to to lobby, right? Uh, we forget that. It doesn't really matter that these acts of uh, these mass shootings are happening in more affluent or mm-hmm. uh, white populations uh, in, in, uh, in their schools. Right. That y- you really start to see how how deep uh, their pockets are and how um, and how beholden our politicians are to uh, to these special interests. Because it, it yeah. does, you know, if if they're not going to move now. Then when when will they? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, when um, in Connecticut, when a uh, you know very wealthy area at school and predominantly like ninety nine percent white school, um, yeah. when the shooting happened there, a lot of people were saying the same thing. Right. Like you know, if they're not going to move now, when will they? Uh, it, we're willing to sacrifice the children. You know, it's like uh, in the Old Testament. You know, the God Moloch. You know, mm-hmm. to feed the kids to it, and right. seems like they're comfortable with that yeah. and being part of that. Um, and just on a wider spectrum, just to uh, kind of expand it out, th- this is such a deep issue mm-hmm. because it the gun and is so symbolic of the violence that America is known for, as you said. You know, from Hollywood to the streets to uh, our military industrial complex. And what we've been doing for uh, decades in other countries by coups and uh, arming militias against one another, mm-hmm. to what end and to what purpose except to benefit a few? Yeah. And it seems to come back to that constantly. And to, for us, you know, especially as Muslims, to be constantly vigilant and, and, and not to uh, give in to the, uh, to the lie or to be blinded and to be unaware, you know, uh, to be amongst the Gafi Loon or those people who are unaware, to be aware and to take our position in the society seriously as citizens, as people who care for one another, mm-hmm. that, you know, this is a harm that needs to be stopped. It's a harm that's affecting not only people in the United States, not only people, uh, these kids in the schools, and it, trickle, it trickles all the way into our foreign policy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the solution is not going to be overnight it's going to be what it always takes movements you know you're you're very familiar and we always talk about this um you know it takes movements to really you know start the change yeah and and so that's what i'm hopeful for that we can continue to work for, to work towards you know it's not this utopia but it's 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 a it's a real you know better society yeah and and it's common sense yeah. A lot of a lot of this is common sense. When you talk about what is best, the idea of the republic, mm-hmm. the idea of what is most beneficial for the most amount of people, yeah. uh, and not and not the other way, you know, not the other way around, which is how we have historically um, operated mm-hmm. um, here and abroad. Uh, so, the the question, uh, not so much the question, but the point is going to become who who is actually going to make the decision is it, is it going to be the people or is it going to be these people who are our legislators who are empowered to make decisions uh, on our behalf right. but have refused to as of yet right. and i want to kind of narrow this back down because i don't want to get out of this segment without mentioning this i was in an argument well not really an argument but i was kind of going back and forth with a, uh, a guy on social media mm-hmm. and we were talking about the deputy sheriff who stood outside while right. this uh, nut job cruise, you know, was going through killing people, and and the, the 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 response was, and there are some people who are still responding. Well, we have to wait and see what happens, and um, you know, and we'll, we'll let the investigation play out. The fact of the matter is, I want to bring this back to this point. If this, if this person, who is in the business of protecting life that's that's his that's his job yeah first right? responder right first responder mm-hmm. right and and no one uh, you know life is precious and it's not something that we want to see uh everybody just running around mm-hmm. uh taking taking life or in a position that they have to mm-hmm. 
But this person is in a field, he chose a, a profession, uh, a duty, took on a duty that if he had to take life, then he was authorized, right, um, uh, to do so. Mm-hmm. And he chose to stand outside. Yeah. Now, you want to put a teacher in a position where they have to be the one. Instead of thinking my primary, primary function is to save lives through education, I, gotta, I have to save lives through be, and be ready to right. take someone's life. Um, like to go from explaining an integer to in a split second, making sure your gun is, is loaded and off to safety. and Yeah. What, 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 That's mind-boggling. What does that do to teachers? <laughs> right? Psychologically, what, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that that was a failure, and I hope what they do is that they revisit their protocols uh, and – and also have the, and this is something that I carry with me, you know, all the time, you know, uh, f- from Quran, oh, you believe, stand firmly for justice, even as against yourselves. If we could get, if we could have that as the, uh, as the bedrock, right, mm-hmm. as, as the framework for how we, we conduct ourselves in whatever our profession, but particularly with, with, our, with our law enforcement, then they would, this wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a cover up. It wouldn't be a long conversation. Right. It would just be like, look, you know, my man failed. <laughs> you know, right. he, he failed. Um, this is this is a, I think a pivotal moment. Do you think this is like the blue wall of silence? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that from, you know, from having been a, a correction officer, mm-hmm. you know, for some years. So I, I know what that that culture, yeah, uh, looks like. Um, I know what that is to be in it, but I also recognize that this is. This is shared freedom space, right? Absolutely. We, and, and we can't go about this simply uh, acting on what we feel is in our uh, own personal best interest. It, it has to, we have to look mm-hmm. at what is, what is best for the, uh, for the whole. So. No, I totally I, I agree with that. Um, you know, I haven't looked into the details of what the situation was, but I don't think I need to. You know, you're authorized, as you say, and, and chose to stand out there. Yeah. That is just so sad. You know, you know something's going on inside. And yet, you know, some defenders have come out saying, well, it was like it only was a few minutes long and he wouldn't have been able to do much anyway. I mean, I don't know the extent to how true that is either. Yeah. But um, there was clearly a failure on that part. And even Trump and these other folks who, you know, they're saying it for their own reasons, but mm-hmm. they've said as much. Um, I don't know. I just think the po- the problem in this essence is greater than just school shootings when we talk about guns. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we have so many guns we might be past the point of no return. You know, some people have mentioned solutions in terms of buying back guns, such as Australia did. But, you know, we're ten times bigger, much more, many more guns, uh, much more access to black market guns maybe coming from other states. And so it's it's something that I've pondered upon and, and still do because it's not an easy – and as someone who is – has an affinity for the Second Amendment, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, Me too. Who's been to the range, you mm-hmm. know, and, 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 and seen the power of the gun, you know. Yeah. And also just seeing, you know, movements in the past who have used that as – you know, not in terms of being violent but being like we know our rights. Right. You know, it's 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 it's, it's very complex that and but we def there needs to be a change yeah. with how easily kids can access guns. Now that is different. Well, not just kids uh, and um, mentally stable yeah, people. Mentally, yeah. mentally ill. Uh, the the variety of firearms Absolutely. that are available. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the idea of a militia is one thing. Right, a well-regulated right? militia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it also it also means that we need to Let have some try some to create a Muslim uh, militia. <laughs> and you know what, Muslims we're are, defending the Constitution now. Muslims, I think, uh, in general, are probably scared as I don't know Maybe what you be in Guantanamo the next day. <laughs> yeah, they're scared to have the like. I, I'm trying to figure out how many Muslims we really see that are pushing the Second Amendment because mm-hmm. they're afraid of being uh, like. Hold on, what do you want with a gun? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, I've seen a lot of those memes have been circulating, uh, like let black people buy guns or let Muslims buy a gun, and then they'll have a picture of like some dude from somewhere in the Middle East who's got his finger pointed up, and right. you know, and and it's supposed to be like this funny ironic comment, 
but yeah. it goes exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and and, yeah. and I think that's why it's it's extremely important that Muslims be involved in this discussion, and not from just a simplistic uh, a simplistic offering of get rid of all guns. Right. right? right. That makes absolutely. Uh, from my standpoint, that makes absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. But there, there has to be some common sense um, legislation. There have to be tighter uh, yeah. protocols and procedures in place for purchasing a gun. Right. Um, and and if that's not done, and if Muslims are not a part of that conversation, then what we do is we we're pushing ourselves outside of of what it means to be a citizen and have mm-hmm. effect on one of the most uh, important. Uh, well, it has been, you know, since our inception, uh, one of those important um, parts of being, you know, yeah. an American. Yeah. You know, Having a gun. Packing heat. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think of this argument? Like, I've wanted to know people's opinion about this. Yeah. And, and that is the pushback that comes usually from conservatives, but, you know, also people who are just neutral, independent, you know, because it's not these tight little lines yeah. uh, all the time. And it's that point about. Uh, well, you know, look at the culture. You know, look at the culture in uh, Switzerland. Like, they have all these guns. Yeah. Or look at the culture in this other country. They have all these guns. But you have this immensely low homicide rate. Right. Right. Okay. You know, to that point. But then I'm very wary of the culture argument um, as well because it can become very stigmatizing and it can become focused on certain communities right. as opposed to others. Okay. All right. We're going to hold that thought. We're going to okay. pick that back up. We were actually just going to we're going we're gonna to pick this up. We're going to keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Radio Slime family, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. When Dad needed help getting around, I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Hey, Mom. Why is the sky blue? Why don't animals talk? Why do dogs have wet noses? Why is an 11 pronounced 21? Kids ask a lot of questions. Why do I have a belly button? But you don't have to know every answer. Why is the ocean salty? Because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Why are there 50 states? There are thousands of children in foster care who don't need every question answered. Why is pizza round? They just need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show, produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Radio Islam, and I'm your host, Tariq el uh, joined in studio by Tausif Akbar. Uh, we've been talking about, uh, well, the, the Second Amendment. We, we, we got into the Second Amendment. We're talking about how teachers have been uh, put in a position where they're asked, at, at being asked to be the front line and last line of defense. But uh, but before we left, we we're talking about Muslim militias. Oh boy! <laughs> um, 
<laughs> or even if even if there's a Muslim uh, a Muslim firearms club or or right. gun owners club, uh, the the public perception sells ch- chills up the spine of people. Yeah, yeah. Some people don't want to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I think that just being uh, dissuaded from being a part of that conversation, or you know, or, or using being an active uh, beneficiary mm-hmm. of the Second Amendment. You know, in, in Chicago we have concealed carry, uh, and I know, yeah. you know, I know quite a few people who you know who who take advantage of that. Yeah. But to come out publicly and, and, and talk about it, yeah. Uh, what what do you what what are your thoughts? What do you, what are you thinking? Well, um, you know, Chicago. I mean, we obviously have been the target of Trump's ire and rhetoric, and uh, I think Chicagoans, we take a lot of pride in also being part of that resistance. Yeah. You know, even though it's kind of has become a bit cheesy and cliched, the way people use resistance, because yeah. they use it for so many things. Mm-hmm. But here in Chicago, uh, we have a gun culture. You know, I always have Al Capone, and you have all these street gangs, you know, and uh, from uh, for every city, every neighborhood has one, and not just that. You know, people love their guns just like anywhere else in the in the country. Right. Um, you know, it's it's a tough one. I I really don't like. You also see no gun allowed. So what does that mean for a concealed carry person? Um, I have a friend who just came from the Netherlands, mm-hmm. and it's a complete culture shock for him. Uh, he, he he has this love of this hashtag only hashtag only in America. Oh, really? And one of the first things he posted was uh, a picture of the no gun signs that you see in a lot of entrances to buildings. And um, how is it different there? I, they what, just what don't have saying? guns. They don't carry guns. They don't have the infatuation. You don't need a sign. Yeah. Oh, because nobody has. You don't need yeah. it. And I mean, I think some of us would look at it like that as, oh, you're being subservient, you know, or that's not necessarily a good thing either um but some of these nations they have guns but they just apparently are not out there killing each other with them all the time i am i do have the streak a little bit of not being trustful of the government a hundred percent and i do think that's a very american i mean i think it's a thing across the world probably but i mean i know it's an american thing to be distrustful of the government because of the things they've done (laughs) and it's not to say that we're going to go out in arms and all of this and uh, this is why we have the guns but uh you know this was the purpose of a militia thomas jefferson did say you know (laughs) the field of liberty needs to be watered with blood i I mean that drastic and um we have to study not his not his right right he did say not i mean i'm sure he didn't mean his own yeah (laughs) Yeah, because he, yeah, he's he's quite well known for um, running. Right. Uh, you know, they they asked him, say, where were you at? You know, when it was going down. <laughs> or, so you were at Monticello. Reading books. Yeah. Getting ready yeah. to write the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Um, I think that, I don't know. I think that there are so many guns. There are so many guns. I mean, um, I read a statistic that in 2016, yeah. there were over 300 million officially, official yeah. figures. Right. This is not to include the unofficial figures. Right. And, you know, and I don't want to be one of those people who who blames the tool, right, who blames the weapon. Yeah. Uh, I think what we really do need, the, the gun is simply a manifestation of, of a deficiency mm-hmm. uh, or perversion that we see in the human spirit. Yes. Uh, that, that people use it uh, in ways that, you know, just far. Well, they they're using it to do what it was meant to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a gun is not a stapler. You know, it's not a. Right. Yeah, you know, it's it's not a uh, a paper holder. It, right. It's made to to take life to inflict uh, damage. Absolutely. Um, but uh, that being said, I don't want to overemphasize. I don't want to overemphasize the the end the end result. Right, the yeah. because it's a sign of a sickness, and if we're not if we're not dealing with the sickness, then it really won't matter what kind of legislation mm-hmm. um, that that we that we come up with. 
So I think that's a conversation that we need to have both of those uh, at the same time. I don't think we can legislate our way out of this one. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Mm. And to your point about not trusting the the government, certainly not trusting the history of it. Mm. Um, as an African American, as a black man, you know, we joke about you know black man par- black man parano- paranoia, right. uh, which is which is just real. It's just yeah. a, a natural. Well, I think Dick Gregory said, "What you know uh, when they're really after you, you know, it's not a conspiracy theory, <laughs> right?" Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you go from in 1973 having uh, a little bit over 300,000 people incarcerated? Yeah. Right? To present day, you know, uh, 2018, we have over 2 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the most yeah. people incarcerated uh, in, on the planet. Nobody yeah. has more people incarcerated. Um, and our number of guns, I've got to do some research. I've got to get the numbers. I'm sure that I, I would be surprised if the numbers did not, um, they, did, they didn't correlate. If you're mm. looking at poverty, um, guns, because these mass shootings were 17 people, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know if the number has risen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm seven, not sure either. Yeah, but for, for these people to lose their lives in you know, such a, a terrible and, and, and senseless way, um, at one time, I think that's what we look at, right? But if we look at Chicago, the number of mass yeah. shootings that takes takes place, that's more than one person being shot. Absolutely. Right? Not not five or six, but more than one person. This happens on a constant basis. But these instances of gun violence are taking place most, most often in not in the affluent areas. They're taking mm. places, um, you know, in these uh, lower socioeconomic um, communities. Yeah. So... How how could I not be? I'm not gonna say paranoid, but distrustful. <laughs> yes, right. Yes, how could I not yes. be distrustful? Because yes. this is, you know, this I mean, there's so many stories this. also of, you know, now here we go with people are going to talk about conspiracy theory or, or bl- putting the blame where it's not supposed to be. But if you look at the facts, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not paranoia when a trailer car tips over quote unquote right right in Inglewood or in you know near there and there's all these AK-47s and people are just grabbing them and you know or you know a story that I'm familiar with you know in which the government a, a government agency that will go unnamed you know put some guns out on the street and it so happened that eventually those guns came back to haunt them they were because they were used to inflict damage on police officers. Yes. Yes. Now, it sounds like it's something out the wire. When I heard it, I, I, I was like, what? That sounds like a plot line from The Wire. But then you realize, well, The Wire was pretty realistic. Yeah, it was. It was. But when it hits close to home, it's a, it's a totally different kind of relief and, 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 and highlight of that. Yeah. And so it, it it's 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 far deeper than we than we realize and that's why I'm also uncomfortable um with the way these conversations are going in in the mainstream. Yeah. And you know what? And then there's also a history of uh of, of desperation or fostering a sense of desperation among the people hmm. so that people are willing to accept uh I mean, gross incursions on on their liberty uh, for the idea of being safe, mm-hmm. right? I mean, traveling now is just terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you, and of, of course, if you travel before nine eleven, mm-hmm. then you realize that you could you could drive and pick somebody up at the airport and just just wait in the front for them right. to come out. Right. You know, now, you, I mean, it's like you know, Indy five hundred. You, you can't you can't stay for more yeah. than two seconds. They're rushing you off. You can't even you know you got to jump out the car and and, and walk in. Yeah. Um, but even even going back to something like that, mm-hmm. um, uh, nine 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 eleven, yeah. which was which was pivotal Absolutely. in terms of uh, Islamophobia. Absolutely. Uh, but it also represent a a tremendous like we lost. Yeah, we lost civil liberties, uh, right. privacy. Um, Where was the cry out then for protection of liberties and and our rights as as foretold, you know, as as you know, written in the Constitution? Yeah, you know, many people who are you know they're very hypocritical 
in that sense who are so adamant about the Second Amendment, yet uh, when it came back to the rollback of their fellow citizens' rights, uh, they didn't mind, they looked the other way, or they said it was necessary. Right. Yeah. And I think the the commitment to, to liberty or commitment to to the rights of the people is is going to be uh it's gonna be most strenuously uh needed yeah. in times in times of difficulty. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's not, when you test it. Right, right. Or we wind up in positions like uh where <laughs> where, you know, uh President Lincoln, you know, famously yeah. uh suspended, you know, Habeas Corpus. That's right. Right. So uh, so just bring it, bringing it back to today, mm-hmm. um, knowing the history of our country yeah. and how it has targeted, uh, how it's tar- targeted certain segments mm-hmm. uh, of its population, it makes it really difficult to see um, or to think that anything really has a substantively uh, changed. Mm-hmm. So when any policy comes up, we're talking about uh, guns. We're talking about the Second Amendment. What's going to be? What's what's the real? What's the real end game of the individuals behind this, or in in general? I I, I would just say this point before I forget it. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a chance to read New Jim Crow and mm. listen to some of, of what Michelle Alexander has been talking about and it's been interesting to see her shift actually because she used to be a lawyer with Amnesty yeah. International and um, she has been involved in these issues and she's worked on the uh, policy and legal side yeah. and when we say like you can't legislate your way out of this she's come to this realization and she now speaks about because you know she's also a student I believe or she may teach or at um, a theological university Okay, so there has to be a spiritual element in how we change the course of uh, our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whatever movement there is, it doesn't have to be one confession or one religion, or but it has to be. That's that's really where our focus needs to be. And I don't. I see that completely absent from our discourse. I see that nowhere uh, in our mainstream media. When I turn on Fox, when I turn on CNN, when I these are all corporate entities. They're all discussing on a very basic level. Mm-hmm. They're not in tune with the people. They're not in tune with what's going on in the south side or the west side of Chicago or any of the inner city or, you know, what these communities were affected by uh, Patriot Act uh, are feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just completely absent. And I wonder why that is. Well, the history has always the history has been uh, that a few succeed at the, um, you know, on the backs uh, of, of the of the many. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because there's always been this this glaring stratification, you know, with class, mm-hmm. um, the idea of unity, you know, the idea of or this this concept that that we have uh, as Muslims of being a, a a single human family, yeah, right, that's absent. It's absent because to to have that type of thinking would would mean that you are really invested in equity. You're invested in the the success and the well being of not just those you know, but the stranger as well, right? Which was right. our, our our book, the crime. Uh, it mentions you know that the stranger even has yeah. a right to your wealth, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that that is a completely foreign type of of, of thinking, mm-hmm. um, and purposely so. I mean, we've we've pushed ourselves away from being a country that. Even in, in in name, you know, we say in God we trust. It's on our right. on our currency, but it's it's not with an awareness of God that we act. Right. So, I think that's going to be the uh, the challenge, and I think that's the opportunity for people of faith in particular. Um, and one of the values I feel that of a, of a program like Radio Islam is that we can uh, yes. inject these types of of realizations because there are people talking about this on other on other stations. Uh, and, and other podcasts and things like that, but to bring that element to it, mm-hmm. to your point, I think that's the only way that yeah. we're going to have some real uh, get it gain any real traction in dealing with this. Yeah, because we're dealing with issues of the the heart and 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 the soul and something that goes beyond the material. 
Right. And what I see amongst the movements, and not to be overly critical, but because they've a lot of great things have been done, but at the same time, you know, something that truly touches us as our, our the inner core of our humanity is missing. Yeah. From 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 this country and from uh, those who espouse social justice. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, you know, because we're facing a lot of battles, we're facing a lot of forces that uh, want to roll us back. And white supremacy is, is a tool of of a greater design to, you know, hold up and coming minorities back. Yeah. And I, I really think that's the project. And it's, it's not new. Uh, it's very old. But it's something we have to recognize. Firstly, a lot of people are not awake to that, not uh, aware of it. And and then we can strategize. You know, we may not all have the same answers or come from the same perspective, but we we got to have some common common um, um, solutions to this. Yeah. And, and and spirituality is core. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I don't want us to uh, to neglect um, making an announcement or at least talking about a few other. Uh, key things in a few minutes that we have left, especially since you are central to some of these things that are going on. So, um, so why don't you give the Radio Slam family kind of an update uh, as we move at this before we before we get out um, some stuff sure. that, that's coming up? Yeah. So you know, um, actually, tomorrow, February twenty eighth, is Rohingya Advocacy Day. Rohingya Advocacy Day was conceived by Burma Task Force which is a campaign of justice for all. It includes 17 major Muslim organizations, national organizations, and also in Canada as a chapter. But Rohingya uh, Advocacy Day essentially is a day in which we are have been for the past month organizing, uh, actually a little more than the past month, organizing um, concerned people who are concerned with the genocide that is going on against the Rohingya people in Burma or sometimes known as Myanmar to move our country and to move our government to stop its support of that government in any form that it may be, uh, to put place sanctions on that government in Myanmar, Burma, and, you know, to end any military uh, relationship with that government um, and also to target certain aspects of what's been opened up in this neoliberal program that uh you know, under the pseudo idea of uh, democratization was enacted just a few years ago. And so we're going to be about uh, 100 or so of us. There's going to be Rohingya leaders from across the country, men and women. And we will be in D.C., Capitol Hill, tomorrow to meet with our legislators. Uh, We will be presenting them with the facts of what's going on in Burma. Uh, and the fact that as citizens, as people in their districts, that we need them to put their name to co-sponsor these two important bills that will sanction and and call out uh, Burma's genocide. Okay. Um, you know, there's this is one of the few things we can do on this issue. And so tomorrow is Rohingya Advocacy Day. And even if you cannot be there, uh, you still can do something. You can call your legislators. Um and uh, for more information, you can go to our website, burmataskforce.org, and the link to look for is burmataskforce.org backslash Congress. And all the information is there. You can dial in directly uh, from that, link, uh, from that uh, page and email the legislators. Is there uh, – they can also tweet their legislators too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. We found that calling is one of the most effective forms of that's getting better. in touch. Yes, that's the best. Okay. Uh, still do a tweet. I mean, if you, we get enough people, we get something trending, uh, they can't help but look because right. uh, they're very conscious of their brand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have we had any uh, legislators that, you, that come to mind immediately that have been the most helpful and uh, receptive? Yeah, you know, we've had uh, our own in Illinois, uh, Dick Durbin, has been yeah, um, thankfully uh, uh, very open in his uh, to, to the community. He's visited the Rohingya Cultural Center up there on Devon. He's met with us. Uh, Jan Schakowsky, um has, has called it a genocide. Uh, we hope she will sign the, the bill. I, I don't see her name on the House resolution 
yet, but they've promised to do so. And um, yeah, so they've been receptive here. We need to, uh, there's been bipartisan support for this, where this is not a partisan thing. Mm -hmm. This is definitely something that uh, cuts across party lines. Um, But we have a ways to go in getting more people. But it's looking good, inshallah. We pray that uh, there's no, uh, you know, obstacles and no mishaps and no last minute um, back outs. Yeah, inshallah. So, so those of you who are in uh, in the Chicago land uh, listening area, call Rep. Yeah. Jan Schakowsky. Yeah, yeah. Call call <laughs> her. her. She needs she's to, been uh, very good. You know, she's yeah. she's been to uh, protests. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, last I checked, her name wasn't on there. Uh, maybe she, you know she has. She might have forgot. She might have but forgot. It, it doesn't matter. She, you know, the more calls, the better. You know, they know right. then that this is on our minds. This is what. Uh, and they're they're always like I feel shocked when you call like whoa someone called, yeah. you know yeah yeah we'll take we're, we're concerned and it takes just a, yeah. just a minute so really where, minute. wherever you are because that's something that um, we want folks you said yeah. this is uh, Burma Task Force represents seventeen different organizations yep. um, that are around the country yeah absolutely so care uh, some of you know Council on American Islamic Relations ISNA MPAC all of them are part of the coalition okay all right. I really appreciate you uh, hanging out with us. Uh, oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. You know, uh, uh, Brother Tausif is a he's a fountain of wisdom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I, I'm not even being facetious. No, I, I do appreciate your your uh, perspective, and uh, you know, it's always it's always a pleasure to talk with you, bro. Zakalakhir for having me. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. All right, Radio Slime family, we have come to the close of another hour. Uh, it flies by really quickly. Uh, we look forward to joining you. Tomorrow night, inshallah, with God's permission. Uh, we want to thank our engineer over at WCEV, Ramon. Thank you very much, sir. Our engineer in studio, the impressive one, assistant producer, Ibrahim Baig. Uh, thank our uh, our guest for the evening as well, Tafsif Akbar. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, and producer, executive, executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. Uh, and we remind you that the views expressed by the host and guests are theirs and not to be taken as representative of Sound Vision Inc. And now we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.